Here we go. Rejecting this screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko out West. We appreciate all the terrific feedback to the Richard Jefferson interview to our podcast that come out every Tuesday where it's just the two of us talking hoops, a little bit of life. And then on Thursday, we go ISO long form interview this Thursday, John Hollinger, the longtime vice president of basketball operations for the Memphis Grizzlies at the forefront of the analytics movement and the co-host of Hollinger and Duncan right here on the locked on podcast network. We're going to get into tanking in a moment and culture shortly but are the kids adam recovered from halloween the kids are recovered it was uh you know i with two teenage daughters they're they're out of the mix they're they're sort of doing their own thing they're on the cusp of they've just gone beyond it my one my my 15 year old daughter is a sophomore went to high school with like a fireman's helmet on you know that's that's the extent of a costume at this point but my son, we took to this neighborhood two minutes away from us that Noah, Halloween is taken so seriously. No, it is this road that is closed off uh, and it just keeps going and going and going. A flat road, which you don't find too too much in the, in the Bay Area. People come from all over for this thing and it is a gigantic block party. I mean, certain houses have disco balls up, DJs playing. You go to certain houses. I would say four or five houses you go to, you're getting a jello shot or a glass of wine or a beer handed to you. Um, everyone is decorating their stuff. And there's a similar neighborhood, actually, just another few minutes away. It's weird. It's almost like these competing Halloween neighborhoods now in which I know for a fact that it's part of the disclosures when you buy a home in this neighborhood. They tell you how seriously Halloween is taken. And if you don't want to participate or don't want to be a part of it, you probably shouldn't buy a house there because uh, you should know that there's going to be thousands and thousands of kids. I think one of the parents was telling me they went through 14 bags of candy on Halloween night. That's something. And a little bit different than New York City where you go to the front desk when you live in a high rise right. building and you get the apartments that are open at certain hours and then marissa then puts them all in order of the hours that they're open and the floor so you can just you're not going from floor 17 to 33 back down to 15 so you do it efficiently a little bit different in new york a little bit different but i'm more i'm i am interested in how your daughter went to high school you said went to high school in the in the fireman helmet but how she went back to high school after you discussed the embarrassing story about you and Fortnite and her friends on Xbox. Uh, the story spread, I think a little bit, but she actually, I showed her the exchange that, that uh, you and I had had about, about this. Um, she, she was actually kind of excited it, it, in a oh, cool good. way. Yeah. She, she ended up having this great back and forth with the kids. And, and when I played her the clip of what I had said on the podcast about that story, about the Fortnite story, and I'm talking to teenage boys and, and all that kind of stuff, which sounds a lot worse now when I, I say it out loud again. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. When I played her the clip initially, though, she was like, that's so cool. Oh, awesome. Dad. <laughs> like, so you have one of those proud dad moments that uh, I'm constantly embarrassing that's my cool. kids. And I think Deep down, though, they they love it, and I'm sure uh, your daughter's going to feel the same way very shortly. <laughs> yeah, at some point, at some point. Oh, also, uh, real quick on Halloween, my least favorite thing about Halloween are people's candy rankings. Oh, I don't give a f 
F what candy you like or don't like. Give it, give it to yourself. Who cares? All right, maybe let's talk worse. Cold. Maybe worse than that. Let's just say one thing though. Maybe worse yeah. than the Halloween rankings themselves are people then weighing in on other people's rankings, <laughs> like the candy corn debate. I could care less whether you like a candy or not. It does not impact me one. <laughs> and then the people who talk about almond joys as if it's like true TV during the NCAA tournament. Oh, it's the one time a year we get almond joys and. <laughs> Oh, so uh, where's True TV again? Come on, shut up. Shut up. All right, culture. NBA team cultures. And I kind of want to set this up by talking about the national TV schedule this week because the Golden State Warriors, who have developed a culture by winning over the past five years, they're on national TV twice this week. Yikes. Cavs whiz. Either one of those teams have a culture yet. Cavs Wiz is on ESPN this week. Charlotte Boston is the opener on TNT. And yes, it's because it's Kemba's return to Boston. But why can't you just show the ceremony and show the tribute video? You know Barkley's not watching any of that. <laughs> No, you, you just you show exactly like you say the ceremony you're showing, uh, you know, some level of of reception and then and then that's it. I mean, that's that that's all you need. No one cares about the game itself. No, but it, what, it, what I do find interesting is that the Hornets so far have been playing hard. So is that culture now all of a sudden is you know, James Brego because PJ Washington and others are are playing hard that and that he hasn't turned over the keys to Terry Rozier which you know thankfully that <laughs> that this is that this is building a culture all of a sudden the culture is great because the Nets who so far have been I mean I don't want to say dumpster fire but they've been a whole lot closer to that than a success so far and Kyrie's chirping already at at teammates their culture was off the charts last year mm -hmm. because they were over because they were overachieving from our standards. So how do you, how do you wrap your head around culture on each individual team? Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the Nets, and that's the reason that Kevin Durant has given in his multiple interviews over the last few weeks. Who, so by the way, every time I see Kevin Durant on TV, he looks miserable. And I understand he's rehabbing. Oh, yeah, he's not playing ball. He's not playing how difficult that is. But he just looks miserable. And I'm wondering why he even come out promoting the boardroom or whatever he's he's promoting on these different shows. But because he gets the same questions that he doesn't want to answer. You know, why did you leave Golden State? How bad was the relationship with, with Draymond? But the interesting thing that he has said is just what he saw that was building uh, in Brooklyn and the reason that he wanted to go there. Everyone assumed, obviously, him heading to the Knicks. But Brooklyn's culture between Kenny Atkinson as head coach, the young players, guys playing hard. And I just spoke to an NBA guy last night, as a matter of fact, Noah, talking about how it's interesting for self-preservation of coaches. Back in the 90s, coaches, everyone was grinding their games to a halt defensively because that's what knew would save coaches' jobs. Because if you lost you know, 80 to 70, you could argue, well, we're a defensive minded team. We grind it out. You know, our guys play hard, at least on the defensive end. Well, part of that was limiting possessions and taking your time offensively and not pushing the pace. Whereas if you lost, you know, 115 to 105, then you'd get crushed both by the media and probably by your owner. Like, oh, you guys don't stop anyone defensively. It's interesting how that sort of 
flipped in some ways because teams and owners want to see an offense that's moving. Fans want to see this fast paced play and, and all this, you know, sort of what the Warriors have set up with the small ball lineups and, and everything else. I look at two teams right now that I'm fascinated by and their hot starts. And yes, it's probably by the time, um, you know, that this podcast may not age very well, but you look at the Suns and the Heat. And I say the Suns right now, eighth in offensive rating, seventh in defensive rating. And I think their entire culture changed by, yes, I mean, they dealt with the DeAndre Ayton stuff. But when they added Ricky Rubio, I think just adding a lead guard can be gigantic because all of a sudden it's not we have to force Devin Booker to be the ultimate playmaker and find other people while he's become such a big scorer. The other guys they added, Dario Sarch, Aaron Baines, Frank Kaminsky, other people other teams in the league could have acquired those players. Kelly Oubre played, you know, half a season last year in, in Phoenix. He's come into his own. We've been waiting for that for a long time. Ty Jerome, their first round pick who had earned the, the job as the backup point guard for Phoenix, hasn't even stepped on the floor yet as of this recording. And Javon Carter, uh, the talented defensive minded lead guard for from West Virginia. I mean, guys, a beast on defense has been huge for their culture. So I think for the Suns, it's been about adding a lead guard. It's been adding some toughness up front, veteran presence, guys. And all of a sudden, the whole culture has changed offensively, defensively. And for the Heat, seventh in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. They drafted Tyler Hero and signed Kendrick Nunn, who out of Oakland, who had some issues, which is why he went undrafted off the court issues. But this guy might be on his way to winning rookie of the year. Anyone could have had Kendrick Nunn. They added Jimmy Butler. They added Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard was available for the rest of the league. All of a sudden, Duncan Robinson is a big contributor. So it's remarkable to me when all of a sudden a team starts to change their culture, changes their identity. It might be because of a single player or a group of players, but then front office is a part of it, and you just feel it. In horse racing, they talk about having a hot barn or a hot stable. When one horse is winning, it seems to have a contagious effect on the rest of the, the, the stable, and that's been the case with these two teams early on. Yeah, so... Uh, when I when I look at the Suns, it was we recorded this on Monday. They've got the Sixers on on Monday night, and and the Sixers won't have Joel Embiid. But I would still expect the Sixers to win that game. They've got the Sixers, and then it's the your your battle of the the culture. It's uh, it's Suns Heat on Thursday, mm-hmm. and then Brooklyn, then the Lakers, then Atlanta and Boston. So they they're home for six straight games. So I want to see how well they do at home for six straight against all good teams and of and, and a varying level of success early on in this season. I mean, the Nets are still good. The Nets need to win that game. The Hawks need to win all of these games being a young team. And, and Trey young, as we recorded this on Monday, he's expected to return on Tuesday from his ankle injury, which is terrific news. Mm-hmm. The Miami heat, I mean, sure, Kendrick Nunn could have been had by the well, he was had by the Golden State Warriors, and right now he'd be the Golden State Warriors' number one scorer instead of being the Miami Heat's number one scorer. Right. The the Heat, the Heat, I think, the Heat culture has been there forever, and and so many folks in Miami think that basketball started and finished with the LeBron era down there, or even I guess going back to a little bit from Dwayne Wade in '06. But mm-hmm. it's actually rather obnoxious. But the way that the season started with Dion Waiters being banished and, and James Johnson not passing the conditioning test. Mm-hmm. It showed those young guys and it showed Jimmy Butler also. All right. Yeah, it is. It is no joke. 
So I think that the culture is is there from top down in Miami on the floor and with Monty Williams, because Robert Sarver's culture is a whole nother story, but what Monty Williams does and what Ricky Rubio, I think specifically has done for the Phoenix suns that takes them to another level. Yeah. And now we don't know to your point and, and we'll see during this homestand what that level is and, and if it's really for real, but the difference is is obvious it's a different team than we saw a year ago and it's remarkable that it's happening without deandre ayton who's really one of the true young talents in in the nba i'm, I'm a fan of where where his game is headed and you're right i mean as far as the miami standpoint uh it's something that the pat riley has pushed forever conditioning is huge and if you can play he's going to give you a shot and whether that means a shot on your roster or whether it means a shot in your starting lineup if you can play if you show you're defending if you show you're contributing to the team you're going to get opportunities and it's remarkable to see Duncan Robinson who was a role player for Michigan a guy that would never have been been considered a first round pick is now starting games for the heat and and really being an impactful member of that squad all right coming up next tanking yeah, we get it. Players don't tank. Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Adam, last year when play went down and KD went down and the Warriors lost, my first thought was, and I tweeted it out back in June, was... So if they keep KD and Clay, and I guess now it's, you know, that point doesn't even matter because it would have been the same thing because they wouldn't be playing for the Warriors this year. And Steph gets off to a slow start, and now Steph is out for months. Do the Warriors just go 97 Spurs and land James Wiseman? That was my first thought. Now that has become a a conversation. And that's something that we like to do here uh, is – basically tomorrow's headlines today of getting out ahead of these types of stories because we know we know they're coming. Sometimes we're joking about it, but in this case, I knew it was knew it was a possibility. So as soon as you mention tanking, no doubt you'll hear players don't tank. You can't just put players on the floor and the players are going to lose on purpose. This conversation has been going on for years. Stop it. We get it. I see it now as a way that hosts on radio are just buying themselves time that they know they have a three hour show and like, Oh, you know what? I can probably kill 15 minutes with this. We get it. We get it. Players don't tank organizations do players. You're not going to find a player unless he's getting paid off by the mob to go out there and lose a game. But really if the organization is tanking, those players aren't good enough to win, but the player doesn't go out there just saying, yeah, you know what? Backing it in. Not worth it. Because those players are auditioning for all the other teams. That's how they take that opportunity. And that's what Sam Hinkie brought to the Sixers. And all those players were basically auditioning for every other team every single night. So it's understood. Players don't tank. Organizations do. Enough. The process brought tanking to the forefront. No question about it. I mean, Sam Hinkie became a tanking celebrity, if you will. And I think that that is where it should start and end, that it, it starts with organizations, ends with organizations. As you point out, it's not the players. Uh, the Warriors one is fascinating to me. Uh, they just got ranked on someone's, I don't know whether it was ESPN's or Bleacher Reports. I saw 
they had the Warriors as dead last in the NBA power rankings uh, and how quickly they've they've fallen off. And we discussed that last week on the pod. But what's interesting to me about the Warriors is you, you bring up the scenario that you had laid out brilliantly projected that the possibility that James Wiseman might be the the draft pick. Now with talk of LaMelo Ball, I just keep thinking how wonderful next year would be to see a Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell, and LaMelo Ball backcourt for the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) Just bananas. You could just, you know, once again, it it would be, uh, it would make ESPN very happy that the 17 people they have covering the Warriors would be able to cover uh, that group of guys, (laughs) even if they wouldn't win very many games. So, uh, I think I think it's interesting. The other part about tanking for me that's that's interesting is that when it looked like a couple of years ago, what is Adam Silver going to do? It's obviously a problem. Tanking has become this epidemic. Now you look around. I don't know that even many organizations around the league are actively trying to tank. I, uh, I agree. I mean, the Warriors obviously are in a situation where it benefits them to mm, sit Draymond on more than one occasion when possible. Uh, Let's extend Steph Curry's injury out a little bit further than maybe we normally would have, because I think they started the season testing the waters, see how they do. And then when Steph got hurt, it was forget about it. This, this season's a wash. Uh, We have D'Angelo Russell. That's, that's a trade asset. And then we, we just sort of go from there. And it's obvious. I mean, they're playing the guys that Jordan Poole, Eric Pascal, the, the rookies, uh, they're they're giving them burn. Guys like Kai Bowman are are getting minutes. I mean, it's almost very obvious from an organizational standpoint. But outside of the Warriors, Noah, look at the Knicks, Bulls, Kings, Grizzlies, Hawks. Some of the bad teams that you would consider in the league, and I still don't know whether the Hawks are bad. I mean, obviously Trey Young comes back, then we're not even talking about them as part of that. Wait, wait, the Knicks aren't tanking. They're well, just awful. Here's here's my thing on the Knicks. I don't know that they're actively trying to lose. I think that they're playing guys that that um, they believe they're going to win with in the future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that and that and that's I, a huge difference. Yeah. And I, I and now look, they might be on the cusp. You could argue that e- either way. But R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith, Mitchell Robinson, maybe even Bobby Portis, six of their seven top scorers. 25 or younger. The Bulls' top three scorers are 25 and younger. Levine, Markinen, Wendell Carter. And, of course, you know how much I love Kobe White, even though he's going through a major slump right now. And So we're not going to discuss yeah, him. Yeah, have you – Oh, no, no, no. Let's let's discuss that. Are you are you sending him notes of encouragement? Uh, yeah. You know, I've I've written them out in blood, you know. And do, do, you, do you spray them with cologne? <laughs> yeah, and I drop some glitter in the envelopes as well. Just so he knows, I really mean it. I, I please sure get well soon. It. Get well soon, even though there's been no no injury to report of. <laughs> um, and but look, I mean, look at these other teams: the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald isn't under twenty. I mean, he's twenty seven at least. We we don't even really know how old Buddy League is. He's only been Buddy Heald, but he's only been in the league four seasons. And the Grizzlies. John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, five of their top six scores, 25 or younger. Point being, a lot of these teams want to see what they have with their youth movement. They have a core that they're excited about, and they are trying to win games. I, I think they are. They're, they're not going to win games, but I think there is a hope that that same core is going to win games in the future, whereas I think the key for tanking usually is, and you're seeing it with Golden State, the guys that are on the floor uh, whether it's Jacob Evans, Kai Bowman, guys like that, when those guys are playing, that looks like a team certainly 
isn't even interested in winning. And especially when they hold out their veterans and say, hey, why don't you sit down for a few more games? Right. When there's no young core to speak of, and a core has to be more than one player, there's no (laughs) young core to speak of, that's when you can tank. Because if you got it, because if you do have a young core, you're going to roll those guys out there to gain that type of experience and see actually what you have. But if you don't have those guys in the first place, then it's a tanking situation. But the league is thrilled that they don't have to deal with tanking and load management. Those two terms drive everybody at the league office up a wall. And now it's just load management. All right, enough hoop talk. It's good enough for me. Let's roll it out. Open gym. An open gym real quick for me. Big week of celebrations around here. My brother's mm-hmm. in from Europe. I don't get to see him a ton, and he just turned 40. So we had a um, little bit of a surprise birthday dinner, about 10 of us, on Sunday night, which was really nice. He was very touched. It's great to have so many people together. And, and it's my anniversary on Tuesday, eight years with Marissa of marriage, eight years. And so we're going to go out to dinner tonight, which is Monday night. Just got off the the cancellation list of a restaurant that we wanted to go to. We had made another reservation as a backup. Just got off the cancellation list, which is nice. And then Tuesday, I'm working at CBS HQ Tuesday night, so we're not going to be together for our anniversary. But it is interesting on the college football side of things, which we talk about a lot on, on CBS. It's the first one versus two this week, Alabama LSU, since November 5th, 2011, which was my wedding day. Wow. That's amazing. No, my open gym story uh, doesn't involve as much love or, or family. But for me, every time we seemingly record this podcast uh, later on in that day, something will happen. Something unique, interesting happens. And I, I write it down and say, you know what? I have to ask Noah or talk to Noah about this on the pod. And this week, a buddy of mine tells me this story that a guy he works with, very soft-spoken, quiet guy, apparently a little bit odd, takes a bunch of breaks throughout his workday and just goes off and goes into the main lobby of the building, sometimes goes for a walk. But occasionally, and my friend said he has confirmed this, he is 99% sure this is what's happening. Occasionally, he goes into the bathroom with some food Oh boy. Goes into a stall, shuts the stall, and just starts hanging out and snacking in the bathroom stall. Yeah. And I I I could not believe that this happened. And I, I just was so stunned. I've never heard of someone taking a snack in and using the bathroom as their break area. And this is an office that has multiple kitchens, some common areas, plenty of places in which you could find some peace and quiet and and eat your crackers or popcorn or whatever you're taking in. This guy goes into a bathroom stall, eats in the bathroom and then, and then walks out. No flushing from what I'm told. It's just to eat thoughts. It's disgusting. Yes. And and you, and you, and you live in the Bay area and all these companies out there pride themselves on having all these different rooms for any number of things. Yes. I mean, he, if, he, if he wants to double up on a room, like he could eat on a ping pong table, I'm sure. But instead he eats. Oh, that is. So he, do you know if. I don't know I, why. Never mind. Never mind. I'm, 
Never. And so I'm curious. I mean, listen, if anyone else has, has experienced this or seen this before and you're driving in your car, please let us know. I mean, Noah, <laughs> Noah on Twitter is at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. I'm at Naismith Lives on Twitter. I'm curious if anyone has either experienced this, seen this before, or would have any idea why someone would want to pull this off. I heard this weird, wacky story and I had to I had to bring oh. it to your attention. Oh, it's disgusting. Disgusting. All right. So if you like that or anything else, just click five stars. If you like that. <laughs> Actually, just share, share the episode. Remember, that's all we're gonna ask. Just share it and spread the word. And you can also listen to the other national shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, every single day, 30 minutes, everything from around the NBA. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan. Remember that John Hollinger will be on with us this Thursday for the going ISO portion of the rejecting the screen podcast, fantasy basketball with Josh Lloyd. And as always, every team every day. So it's your team every day here on the lockdown podcast network, Adam. Thanks, pal. You're the best. No, appreciate you.